Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this special five-part podcast series, I visit with Rod Grandin. Rod is the Managing Director of Monitoring Services for Affiliated Monitors in the Washington, D.C. area. We take up the timely topic of federal contractor responsibility for compliance and ethics. It's a fascinating five-part series, which includes an introduction to the topic, what the government expects in compliance and ethics, how small business programs may have certain flexibilities, why are people still talking about compliance and ethics programs in the federal contracting space, and we conclude with a fascinating exploration of Rod's thoughts on how to keep your compliance program fresh. I know you'll enjoy it, whether or not you are in the federal space, public space, or private space. There are lots of lessons learned in this special five-part series. This five-part series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, and it is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another series with Affiliated Monitors. Today, I have Rod Grandin with me. Rod is the Managing Director, Monitoring Services in the Washington, D.C. area for Affiliated Monitors. We are going to visit this week about federal contractor responsibility, but more importantly, the benefits of having an effective ethics and awareness compliance program from both the business perspective and the government perspective. So, Rod, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, Tom, my pleasure. Looking forward to our our discussion. So, Rod, I was wondering, uh, you've had quite an extensive background with the government uh, in overseeing a wide variety of roles uh, and businesses and contracting with the government. I was wondering if you just might take a couple of minutes to uh, tell our audience a little bit about your background and how you got to Affiliated Monitors. All right, sure. Uh, basically, uh, going, going back about 30 years, I started out uh, as a uh, judge advocate general, an attorney, a uh, uniformed attorney in the Army. Uh, interestingly, after about three years or so of that, I was given the opportunity to move over to uh, government contracting on behalf of the Army still in uniform, um, and basically spent about the next seven years uh, as an attorney in a uniform, uh, working at various uh, buying systems, buying uh, tracked and wheeled vehicles and uh, subsystems for those, moving on to uh, litigation with the Army Contract Appeals Division, and then uh, ultimately got out, went into private practice uh, in the D.C. area with a couple of firms. And uh, and then in 2003, 
moved over to the government side uh, with the Department of the Air Force and the Office of the General Counsel. Spent uh, a number of years on the acquisition side, uh, working with the Secretariat to put to uh, to to buy the the planes, the information technology systems, the missile systems, uh, basically uh, with with a fairly broad purview over uh, the uh, Air Force's portfolio. Uh, later in 2008, I uh, became more focused on uh, the fraud prevention and remedy standpoint. Uh, moved over to a different division within the General Counsel's office with a clear focus on our contracting community. What did we expect out of our contractors and uh, how do we go about enforcing those expectations with our contractors? Uh, and from there, uh, moved over to the Coast Guard where and went back to a focus of buying things, systems on behalf of the Coast Guard, and then ultimately returned to finish out my government career as the Air Force's suspending and debarring official, where I became uh, very much involved in both uh, both sides, essentially, of the contractor responsibility uh, notion, uh, promoting responsibility from the government standpoint and promoting it with industry, particularly with the Air Force's major primes and contractors to push these notions of integrity and in our acquisition system down to the supply chain. Uh, joined Affiliated Monitors after retiring from the Air Force, and I've been with Affiliated Monitors the past couple of years doing uh, essentially two areas in the corporate uh, realm, and that is monitoring in the wake of federal enforcement actions and also which we'll talk about in detail over the next series, uh, really focusing and helping companies on the proactive side to, to, to understand what their risk environment is and how that risk translates into uh, an infrastructure, policies, procedures, code of ethics, and so forth, training, uh, and then the backup, the follow-up, keeping it fresh, working with contractors to understand essentially how to stay out of trouble, how to put themselves into a position where they can prevent, identify, and respond appropriately to evidence of misconduct uh, within their business operations. Rod, one of the key themes that uh, certainly I have taken away from uh, the podcast series I've done with affiliated monitors is that whether it be the government, uh, whether uh, whether it be a healthcare provider, whether it be in the Department of Defense, whether it be military or really any other government agency, the government, um, unless it's dealing with a criminal, really doesn't want to put companies out of business, uh, that the government sees its interest in providing, uh, in the case of purchasing goods and services directly to the government, in the case of healthcare, providing services to people like you and me in, in the public. And so that the oversight role that you had uh, in suspension and debarment, um, while it could certainly be draconian, it's really uh, in everyone's interest that companies have uh, robust compliance and ethics programs in place so that hopefully to stop something. But if something does pop up, that the government looking at it can uh, help the company to rehabilitate so that it can continue to provide those goods and services. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I'd like to just expound on that a bit. Uh, the, the, cons- the government's concern really focuses, again, in the acquisition construct, really focuses on ensuring that those with whom the, biz- the, the federal government is doing business are responsible contractors. 
Now, responsible contractors is an interesting notion. Uh, I'm not aware of any definition in the various uh, regulations and authorities that exist, um, but it's come to mean a, a fairly broad, uh, a very broad meaning. One, it addresses performance-type characteristics. That is, a responsible contractor should have the ability to perform as it said it would perform pursuant to its contract. If it's a, uh, whether it's, it's a, a contract for goods or services or even construction, the contractor should have the financial wherewithal, the facility to perform, the systems for performing, uh, accounting systems, purchasing systems, uh, 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 property management systems, uh, material management systems uh, should have all of this in place. It should have a workforce that is capable of performing, and moreover, a workforce that is committed to compliance and promoting uh, promoting all they do uh, with integrity. Uh, and so it addresses all of these features of the capability to perform but it's not limited. The, the notion of responsibility is not limited to the capability of performing it. It also extends to the, the how, the, what is the, what is going on there in terms of ethics? What is going on in terms of compliance? Is the workforce, is the contractor taking appropriate steps to train its workforce into the expectations of the government community? Is the contractor uh, attempting to perform with integrity? Is it is it proving the very best it can to make sure that the workforce doesn't take shortcuts? Uh, you know, that the inspector's tag is the inspector's tag and it's used with integrity, that quality assurance is done with integrity, that safety is embraced and uh, safe practices are the norm, that, that its estimates are as accurate as the information available, that it is honest in its submissions to the government for invoices, and that ultimately its products and services uh, are are what the government uh, purchased from them in the first place. So this notion of responsibility is incredibly broad. The suspension and debarment role pops up when there is a need, when there's a concern that these responsibility features are not being uh, upheld by the contractor. And there's a need to protect the government's interest from a contractor that, frankly, is not responsible. And I, and I want to emphasize that the suspension debarment remedy, even though it should be a remedy of last resort, it is a remedy that uh, it can be used only to protect the government's business interest. It has no punitive purpose. It has no purpose other than essentially excluding a contractor from the federal marketplace for a period of time uh, with the hope that that contractor will take appropriate corrective measures before it comes back into the federal marketplace. And if it doesn't, uh, there's generally going to be a heightened scrutiny of that contractor, and it could result in yet another cycle of, of exclusions. That rarely has happened, at least from my perspective, has rarely happened. But so the, the tool is very, as you point out, it's used in a very limited fashion, but it is fairly draconian in its impact. 
if a contractor is dependent on federal revenues, uh, a suspension or a debarment could be the end of that company. So uh, there are there are a lot of considerations that go into the use of the of the sanction, but it's but it's it's the bottom line is it can be used only to protect the government from non-responsible contractors. Ron, at what point would uh, a company come before uh, someone like yourself uh, back um, when you were uh, sort of deputy uh, general counsel for contractor responsibility or any of your other uh, myriad of roles uh, with the government? At what point would a would a contractor kind of bubble up to to someone like yourself, and uh, what would you be looking at from them? So, in most cases, uh, were brought to the attention my my attention through our investigative process. Within the Air Force, we had both of our, our Office of Special Investigations, which had broad investigators, and we also had the Defense Criminal Investigative Service, a DOD entity, that conducted fraud-related investigations. When those entities identified evidence of fraud, they would begin to communicate and coordinate with my office in terms of what should be done from a contracting standpoint during the pendency of the investigation, and then in the longer term, what needed to be done to ensure that uh, the government was kept whole in its uh, its relationship with this, this company, and what should be done in a larger remedial context. So most of the referrals came in through the investigative process. Most of the issues... You know, frankly, it would go back to notions that uh, of lying, cheating, and stealing. Things that all of us know from our childhood that we shouldn't do, yet still occur in modern business transactions. Uh, most frequently by what we'll call generously as rogue employees, but also in many cases by senior leadership within companies who choose to do things their own way and not necessarily in line with the expectations of their government customer. So, Rod, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I've been visiting today with Rod Grandin, Managing Director of Monitoring Services. I hope you'll join us uh, tomorrow for our next episode, where we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into what does the government expect. Rod, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of a special five-part series on federal contractors and compliance programs. I hope you'll join us again for another episode. This special series has been sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, and you can check out more information on Affiliated Monitors at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.